0: Well, good morning, Hope Church. It's great to be with you this morning. You know, there were two buddies who were always looking for for deals, and they were at a flight show. And they came across a guy giving rides on his single-engine plane, you know, the kind that had an open cockpit and stuff like that. And they said, hey, would you give us a deal, two for the price of one? And this guy was always wanting to make a buck. So he said, you know what? I'll take you guys up. But if either one of you utters a word when we're up there, the price is going to be double." And they're like, okay, sure. So they took So they went up and, and uh, started flying, and and this guy started doing the maneuvers that would make the bravest person just beg for mercy. I mean, he'd do the spins and the loops and and the dives. Not a peep from either one of the guys. And they finally landed. He was exhausted. And the first guy got out and he's like, Man, I, what is you? That was like, I, I did things I was even afraid of, and yet not a peep. You have incredible self control. And the guy said, Well, you almost had me once. And the pilot's like, well, when, when? When did it happen? He said, When my buddy fell out. <laughs> almost had me. <laughs> well, this morning we had talked talk about self control, and we love to talk about self control, don't we? The good news for you guys is you guys only have to hear this message once. I've had to hear it in my mind for the last five weeks since Pastor Ross invited me to, uh, to share on this. But actually, I count it a privilege to talk about such an important area of our walk with Christ, self control. And, you know, it's really the issue of self-control when it, when it comes to issues of sin, right? Not just being able to keep your mouth afraid closed when you're afraid, but the issues that bring heartache and guilt and pain. Proverbs 25:28 gives us a pretty good word picture of what happens when there's a lack of self-control. It says like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks Self-control. You know, back then, if your wall was broken, that was just an invitation for the enemy to come and to wreak havoc and bring destruction into your life. And what the Proverbs is saying is that a person who lacks control is basically inviting destruction into their life and heartache because there is no defense Proverbs speaks about uncontrolled lust, uncontrolled tongue, uncontrolled anger, uncontrolled laziness, uncontrolled consuming, uncontrolled drinking. Maybe one of these describes your challenge, or maybe it's something else because every one of us struggles in areas of self-control. And what makes it so hard? It makes it so hard because really we live in a culture that almost celebrates not having control. There's songs that say, "I'm losing control and I think I like it." We celebrate someone being able to do whatever they want. It doesn't matter. But even more importantly is what's going on inside of us. Our sin nature cries out it loves to not have self-control and Paul speaks about our dilemma apart from Christ really the strength that we have to exercise self-control is pretty minimal he writes these very popular and very powerful words in Romans seven fifteen. he says I do not understand what I do for what I want to do I do not do but what I hate to do have you ever felt that way For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. No, the evil that I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Maybe this morning you're feeling a little bit at the end of your rope in areas of your life. But you know what? Sometimes that's a great place to be because that's where God's grace is the most powerful God's grace can bring the power and the change that you desire. Paul wrote to Titus, a young pastor, in a book that I invite you to turn there with me, the book of Titus near the end of your Bible. He writes him to try to encourage these believers in Crete, on the island of Crete, to live lives honoring Christ. But this was a very difficult place for Christians to live. Crete was known as the party place. It was filled with bars and they just had celebrations where sexually just immorality reigned. And these believers had friends and family members who were still in that, wanting them to join them in their drunken love fest for which Crete was famous. With that in mind, it's no, no, no surprise that when Paul writes this brief letter, only three chapters, he addresses six different groups of people. And to each of them, he says, practice self-control. To the elders, he said, the elders are, are to be hospitable, one who loves what is good, one, is, one who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. That's chapter 1. In chapter 2, verse 1, teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, and self-control. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers. In other words, have self-control over their tongue and not addicted to much wine. So that they may teach the younger women to love their husbands, love their families, and be self-controlled. Timothy or Titus teach the young men, be examples to them, to encourage them to be self-controlled. And as the slaves, slaves were not to talk back, not to steal, to exercise self-control with their hands and their mouth. Do you get the point? (laughs) This letter is about self-control. But how is it possible? How is it possible? And that's where we come to this beautiful passage in Titus chapter two, beginning with verse 11, where Paul says, God's grace has come and it changes everything. I wanna share with you five ways, five ways God's grace can empower self-control in your life. But let's read the passage first. Titus chapter two, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness And to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Stay there because we're going to look at chapter 3 in just a minute. Five ways God's grace can empower you to live self-control, to grow in this fruit of self-control. First of all, grace brings forgiveness. For the grace of God, Paul writes, that brings salvation has come that has brings salvation. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus died for our sins so that God will no longer hold our sins against us for every time we have lacked self-control. Jesus says there is forgiveness. Chapter 3, verse 3 to 5. At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, Deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness of, and love of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of His mercy. How does His forgiveness empower us? Well, right after I had gotten my license, I was driving. And I saw that dreaded sight and sound, right? See the lights behind you. And just for a moment, you're just hoping, oh, please pass me, please pass me. You got a call, someone else needs you. No. So I slowly pulled over and he slowly pulled over. But the police officer came up to me and he explained to me what I was doing wrong. I was going faster than the speed limit. And then he did this. He explained to me how much it would cost me if you wrote me a ticket. And for someone in high school, it was a lot of money. And then he said those beautiful words. Son, today I'm just gonna give you a warning. Oh yes. <laughs> so what was my response? Was my response to take off? Ha <laughs> ha sucker! I got away with this one. Right? No. I was so grateful that he gave me a warning, that I did not have to pay the penalty for my driving sin. Did I mention that my mom was in the car? (laughs) That might have helped (laughs) my situation. (laughs) Jesus not only gives us a warning, he, he doesn't just give us a warning, Jesus paid the price. He paid the price for our forgiveness by dying on the cross, the ultimate cost of his life. So, what is my response? When I'm being tempted to give in, grace says, No, you have been forgiven at a great price. Secondly, grace brings a cleansing, a cleansing. Look at verse 14, that he does this to purify for himself. And in the next chapter, in verse 5, it says, he saved us through the washing of rebirth. And the good news of the gospel is is that God takes people with dirty hearts Dirty minds, dirty hands, dirty eyes, dirty ears, dirty everything. And he cleanses us through the blood of Christ, purifies us. John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that one day we can appear before God. Paul writes in Colossians 1:22, holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation, cleansed by Jesus. And it was also a beautiful word picture in the Bible that Jesus is preparing for himself a beautiful bride right, this is found in Ephesians 5, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless before him. Have you ever seen a bride after spending hours and hours, right, ladies? I mean, you guys spend, us guys throw on a tux 15 minutes, we're good to go, right? Right? But hours, you know, taking a shower, putting perfume on, shaving your legs, getting the pedicure and the manicure. You know, the hands, I understand. But ladies, honey, I'm not looking at your feet on our wedding day. you know. But to get the pedicure, hire someone to come and and do makeup and your hair. And then to put on that beautiful gown that is wrinkle-free, hopefully stain-free have you ever seen a bride after spending all those hours and money, after that, run outside and jump in a mud puddle? But you know what? Spiritually, that's kind of what we do. We are being prepared as the bride of Christ. He has made us cleansed. But when we give in to temptation, lack self-control... It's like we're spiritually jumping in the mud. When I was younger in my walk many years ago, there was a Christian group called Petra. Maybe some of you remember them. But they had this song called Clean. I am clean, clean, clean. Clean before my Lord. And that song was so empowering. When I faced temptation, When we are tempted to give in, grace says, No, you have been cleansed. Third, grace brings freedom. And the Bible teaches that before Christ, we are, in a sense, slavery to sin, our sin nature, that our master has reign over us. But out of his grace, Jesus comes to set us free from ourselves, really. Look at verse 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness through his victory over the the cross and over death. Jesus comes and he grabs the shackles that are over our soul and he crushes it and sets us free. Paul writes these words in Romans 6 for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And then verse 14, for sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but you are under grace. Don't want me to give in. It's a lack of self-control. It's almost like we are putting those shackles back on when we have been set free. When we are being tempted, grace says no, for you have been set free. Fourth way is that grace brings transformation. Look at chapter 3, verse 5. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit so that what would be possible is chapter 2, verse 14, so that we would be eager to do what is good. How is that possible? Because the Holy Spirit, who who Paul says God has poured out on us generously, is given to us to start renewing us from the inside, changing us from the inside inside. It is God's grace that begins to help us to see sin for what, it's, for what it truly is, that it is ugly and it is destructive. It always says it wants more. It's God's grace that begins to help us to see that the righteousness of God is beautiful and glorious, and that's what truly brings life and joy. When we lack self-control, we are living for the moment, that moment. But God's grace begins to set our sights on something more glorious. That's what Paul touches on here, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. While we wait for that, while we're looking for that, while we're longing for that. Because when that happens, there's going to be some amazing things that happen. But one of them is that when we see him as he is first john 3 we find this first john 3 right so that when we see him as he is we shall know what we're like that we shall be like him we see him in all his righteousness and beauty and we realize god's work in us has been finished and we are like him no longer struggling with sin. And so John says, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Because we know that glorious moment that's coming. But also the moment where, where Jesus ushers in the home of righteousness. And Peter touches on this in 2 Peter chapter 3. He says, But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new world, the home of righteousness where we no longer have to struggle with our own lack of self-control. And we don't have to deal with other people's (laughs) lack of self-control. So Peter says, so then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. That should empower us. Empower us to grow in the fruit of self-control. When we're being tempted to give in, grace says, no, that is not who you are anymore. And the fifth way is that grace brings new ownership. Look at verse 14 again. And it says, and to purify for himself a people that are his very own Eager to do what is good. His very own. You know, our culture says, you know what? This is my body. I'll do with it as I please. You know what that means? Lacking self-control in all sorts of ways. Our culture says, you know what? You do you. You do do whatever you want. You do you. That's what matters. Self-fulfillment. Even if it brings Destruction. But something happens when we put our faith in Christ. There is a a, a transfer of ownership that we become his. That your eyes are no longer just your eyes. Your hands are no longer just his, yours. You belong to him. 1 Corinthians, Paul writes to a group of believers who are having trouble controlling their bodies in the issue of sexual immorality. And he writes these very powerful words. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you Whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Belongs to Jesus. When we're being tempted to give in, grace says no. No longer belongs to you. It was a phrase that began to uh, pop into my mind a couple years ago. And the phrase is, not anymore. Can you say that with me? Not anymore. Usually it was like when I was shopping. I don't like to shop. I, I got a bad attitude when I shop. And so, so I, you know, I see people and maybe sometimes I see what they're wearing. And what they're wearing is like really out of style, right? And so I, I think to myself, what do I think? Not anymore. Anymore. I mean maybe you used to wear that, but not anymore. Or maybe 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 you used to wear that, but the the clothing no longer fits. I mean, let's just be honest. It's not that probably the shirt shrunk. It's probably that, you know, you know, things happen, you know? And we look it's just it's no longer a good look for you. So I think to myself, Help me! Come on, help me! Not anymore. Or maybe, maybe for guys, you know, they could do the tank top, right? And and maybe they were pretty buff and, and in shape and fit. And but you know what? That six pack has turned turned into the twenty four pack, right? And looking a little bit more like Chewbacca, you know, because it happens to all of us guys. You know, we just we just hair start growing everywhere, you know. Except, well, anyways. So 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 you know, it's like you know. So I think to myself, what? Not any. Now, I'm not immune to this. Okay, I'm not immune to this. I love wearing tube socks with sandals. Yeah, I, I do. I just find it very comfortable, right? But a couple of years, my family had to do an intervention. Right? <laughs> they all showed up. I'm like, "What's going on?" And they had my, my tube socks in a pile with my sandal on top, and they said to me, nice. <laughs> and to add injury to insult, they're like, "Dad, not not only is that not in style." it was never in style right that was never in style or maybe maybe you were younger you you were younger you were a graceful ballerina right with poise and balance right but the years have gone by and now you're a grandma and so you know you you see a young kid at your office riding a hoverboard Right and and making it look so easy and fun and so you say to yourself I think I want to try that, and you try it and you almost break your elbow, right? Some of you don't know I'm talking about my wife. <laughs> you're your children's director, okay? It's your fault. And I want to say to her, just in case she's listening, not, anymore. right? Not anymore. Not anymore. She did give me permission to say that, okay? Because so, sometimes you got to eventually, eventually, not early on, but once you realize it's probably not broken because the swelling has finally gone down, but uh, you, you can't laugh at it by then. But you got to laugh at it eventually, right? Not anymore. On a more serious note, maybe you grew up in a home where, where alcohol just flowed, right? I and mean, that, that's how you couldn't have fun unless there was alcohol. That's also how you coped, and that's how, that's how, I mean, it was just always there. You coped, frustrations, anything, it was alcohol. But you've, you've, you've seen the heartache and the lack of self control that that then produces, right? You've seen brokenness. And, but maybe that's, just, that's what you grew up and you knew that. That's, how, that's what you knew, and so that's what you do. And, but now you're a believer in Christ, a follower in Christ. And grace has come. And grace says, not anymore. It doesn't have to be you. Things can be different. Or maybe you grow up and you just had total access to computers and images and things even at a young age. And, and that just becomes so, you know, how science has showed it's so addicting. And, and it's just become part of, you know, just you. And, but now you've become a believer. And your eyes belong to him. And grace says, Not anymore. That doesn't have to define you. You've been cleansed. You've been forgiven. God's grace changes. Or maybe you grew up in a home that where the the words were just poison. I mean, just either vulgar or just always biting and cutting. and, And you just found that you kind of adopted that way of just talking to people. And you've seen the heartache and destruction and uncontrolled tongue can cause a careless word. But now you're a believer, right? Your tongue belongs to him to be a blessing. And grace says that that can be different. That can be different. Grace says not any more. Or what is it for you? What is it in your life? you need to experience the power of God's grace. This morning we have the the privilege of celebrating communion together. And it's a celebration of God's grace right here. Jesus Christ coming. God's grace revealed. Where grace... Because Jesus was willing to, to allow his body to be broken, which we celebrate in the bread, and his blood to be poured out, which we celebrate in the cup. So that we might taste of God's grace. So that God's grace might remind us today, I have been forgiven. But maybe you feel like you you you're not worthy. Maybe there's been so much lack of self-control in your life and destruction, and you're like, God could never. I couldn't be farther from the truth. None of us are worthy. And it's not because of the righteous things we've done. It's because of His mercy and His love. It says that grace has appeared that brings salvation to all men, to all women, to All children, it has come for you. So we can celebrate this morning. But it's also a time of reflection. Am I allowing God's grace to have its full effect in my life? Maybe this week you really lacked self control, maybe you really blew it. This is the time we come and again just seek His forgiveness, His cleansing be reminded that we can be empowered by His Spirit's presence in our life, that we belong to Him. Let's just take a moment and prayerfully prepare our hearts. Lord we thank you for this celebration that you instructed the disciples to do until you return, so that we might continually be reminded that your grace has come, and that through your death on the cross, and through your resurrection, that you offer us life. And so Lord, we give you praise this morning. And I pray that every one of us today would claim your forgiveness. Claim your cleansing. Claim your freedom. And the change that you can bring through your spirit as we belong to you. Let us take this bread being reminded We confess our sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. This cup represents his life that was poured out, his blood. For our cleansing. But it also is his life in us now. The mystery of the gospel, Jesus Christ in you. So as we take this juice in us, let's be reminded of the presence of Christ. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, the one who exercised perfect self control every moment that he is the one who can give us the strength to be different. Let us take this cup together. As grace says no, all of God's people say amen and amen. As is customary after uh, communion, during Communion Sunday, we take a benevolent offering, which goes to help support uh, those in need with the love of Christ. And as Christ has loved us, we too give. You can either give in the back or online. Let's close in prayer. Lord, the, we said just thank you for the grace that uh, has come and appeared and Lord changed our lives. Lord, may we be empowered this morning as we have a chance to look into your word and celebrate. And we thank you for these words that you instructed the the Apostle Paul to write so many years ago that are still so relevant for our lives today. Lord, as we struggle with self-control. But Lord, we want your grace to reign in us so that people might see the beauty of the teachings of Christ, your presence in us. In Jesus' name. Amen.